This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine, only on the BetQL Network. Hello and welcome into Tapped Out with producer Jake Noaker and my co-host Brendan Tobin. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. We're here to talk a little fighting and make a little money along the way right here on the BetQL Network. First, BT, let's take a look back what we saw last Saturday night, UFC Mexico. I told you, Brandon Royval, baby, I like it raw. Ended up split decision victory over Brandon Moreno. Before we get too far into it, do you agree with the decision of the main event? Don't have a problem with it. Don't have a problem with it. My picks right now colder than a Kansas City playoff game, Sean. It is uh, <laughs> been tough. It's been tough sledding with these uh, these damn decisions all over the place. But no, man, I I agree with it. I think Roy Ball uh, deserved it. I thought that uh, I was okay with it and uh, surprised by it, man. He really uh, he showed out and, and, and a lot of improvements since his last one. The flyaway division, honestly. It might not be the deepest division, but it is. It has been interesting the last few years. And then in the uh, co-main event, we saw Brian Ortega by sub in the third round over Yair Rodriguez. Does that tell you more about Yair? And maybe we maybe we overrated him a little bit, or does it tell you more about Brian Ortega, where maybe we underrated him a little bit? I think it says more about Ortega because I thought that Yair looked pretty good at times in that fight. Um, although Brian did almost take himself out in that intro where he rolled his leg over and uh, and yeah. scared it. But uh, it was good to see T-City kind of get back to his his vintage game and, and taking that time out. I thought that was beneficial for him. Uh, you, that's always a, a little bit of a wild card. You don't know what the time off is going to be. And, you know, right now he's got to be pretty excited because that was a great finish against a guy who was just the interim champ. Um, and you get a win like that, knowing what the rest of the division is right now and, and Volkanovsky being being out. And I thought that, you know, it was cool of Brian to be at the spot where he's like, look, I'm not going to sit here and say I deserve to jump Volkanovsky. You know, he deserves that respect. But, hey, I'm all for seeing a Tapoya versus Ortega title fight if, if Volk is taking some time off. I think that'd be a fun matchup. Oh, 1 million percent. And obviously Ortega has the pedigree. He can beat you in a million different ways. It's funny you bring up the name Volkanovski because that's the only knock really on Brian Ortega. He's the anti-Alex Volkanovski when it comes to activity. Like Volkanovski will take any fight, anytime, anywhere, 10 days notice, I'll fight Islam. I don't give a damn. And then you got Brian Ortega where it's either injuries or one thing or another, but we only get to see this guy once or twice a year. So what do you think's next? Like, do, do we think that he sits for a little while and then fights for a title? What's the next fight for Brian Ortega? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, he talked about afterwards he feels like he's, you know, got distractions out of the way and kind of has a, a cleaner, you know, lifestyle. So maybe this is a guy that we see a little bit more active and take, some, uh, take, a, take another fight. But there's not many things out there for him to take and to prove because, you know, you just beat Yair, who was third in the division. The only other guys in there are Volkanovsky, who, you know, I don't think he's going to fight. And then Max Holloway, who's fighting for the BMF belt. So if I'm him, I would kind of play the waiting game and, and see what's out there and see if a title shot does uh, land on his doorstep. Probably the, the right move to make. Brendan Tobin, sports machine, Sean Levine here on the BetQL Network. All right, let's get into some other news and notes when it comes to fighting. UFC 306 location is official. It will be in Las Vegas, but not where we've seen in the past. Mo fights there, either T-Mobile or inside the Apex. Inside the sphere for Mexican Independence Day coming up. On September 14th. Now, I've been trying to talk you and producer Jake into meeting me in Sin City for a long time. 
Does this do it for you? Like a main event inside what might be the coolest building on planet Earth? Can I get you to Vegas? I'm a sphere hater, dude. I mean, I've been to an IMAX theater before. Like, I get it. You know, I, I don't I don't understand the big thrill of it. So what? There's a movie screen all over the place. There's been planetarium since I was a kid. What's so cool about this sphere, dude? I don't get it. I'm sure if anybody's going to do it right, it'll be Dana White. Because, man, I mean, if anybody hasn't been to UFC Live, like, the production is unbelievable. Great. It's so Incredible. cool. It's, it's like, it, it really is like a rock concert with fights there um in just the middle but i don't get the big deal with the sphere dude i don't get it it's like you go there i can see for a concert it being cool i'm just curious how it's gonna make a fight cool first of all that's pretty disrespectful to call it an imax because imaxes haven't been cool i would say since 1994 and i've been inside the sphere but the outside looks incredible all the imaging that i've seen from the inside looks spectacular and it's a very difficult fight to pick saying i'm not that impressed with the sphere like looking at the pyramids and being like eh, i'm not that impressed how can you not at least go wow that building is incredible and those fights are going to be awesome that's, that's a crazy opinion. they literally okay. have a pyramid in vegas that's cool to look at have you ever been inside the, the luxor <laughs> That's more impressive. It's got a thing. Dude, down here in South Florida, we got a damn hotel and casino that's built in the shape of a guitar that has, like, it does the same thing as the Sphere. It does the cool little designs. It can change patterns. It shoots lights up to space. What is so great about this Sphere? I don't understand. Everybody's obsessed about it. Listen to you down there in South Beach comparing your beautiful big, what is it, a hard rock, that big guitar hotel, to the Sphere? Are you crazy? The Sphere's the Dude, coolest place can... on Earth right now. No way. There's no way the Sphere's cooler than the Guitar Hotel. They're actually knocking down the Mirage, or the volcano at the Mirage, at least, and they're building a hard rock hotel in the shape of a guitar on the Strip. So can I get you to go then when that thing's complete? If I can't get you maybe. to the damn Sphere, when they put up your guitar, maybe we can meet up there? Um I don't, right, I don't uh, need but I, I don't need Vegas anymore, dude. We got we got sports books. I'm so happy. I go to the casino. We have everything now. It took forever, but finally you just go there. You can do whatever you want now. It's it's the greatest. I'm with you. We, you can bet on your toilet now. You don't necessarily need to go to the sports book. Uh, sports machine Sean Levine and Brendan Tobin have a little fun here on the BetQL network. UFC 300. We got our main event. Uh, Pereira versus Jamal Hill, and I think that Dana White. I'm not going to say he struck out because he gave us something, but uh, he fouled out right in the catcher's mitt. Um, apparently, though, Israel Adesanya says that he was offered the fight with Drakus Duplessis a couple of different times, but DDP turned it down. Do you think that's maybe the one that Dana had in mind, that, okay, I'll get, I'll get Adesanya out there with the new champion, and maybe that'll shut people up? Uh, I think that he very likely did offer it. I don't, I don't deny what Stylebender has to say on that, especially, um, I would say Stylebender is probably a top five star right now in the promotion. Sure. So of course they would want him to headline 300 and DDP and him have a lot of bad blood. Um, just going to have a much cooler lead up than I think Pajeda and, uh, and, and Jamal Hill do, but I think Jamal Hill and Pajeda is still a fine fight, but nah, man. I think Dana gave it – I'm sure he offered like, you know, 10 different fights, it seems like. He turned over every stone. I think the problem was is that he kept promising and promising and promising when he probably should have just gone with the BMF title. And he just basically had one goal in mind. I ain't making it Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad. And then just everything else will figure it out. Anything else is better than that. Yeah, rumor has it that he tried to contact the bear that Khabib fought in his youth, but the bear was unavailable for UFC 300. Uh, John Jones, also a very popular fighter, has come out this week and said, I don't know what y'all are talking about. Before I retire, I want to fight Stipe. I want to fight Ngannou. I want to fight Aspinall. Do you think that's a great idea for John Jones' legacy, considering that everybody already regards him as the greatest fighter of all time? <sighs> I think it's awesome for his legacy if it's possible. I think, first of all, a John Jones fighting is probably, this is probably the only person I'd ever say this for, it's probably good for his health because it keeps him busy and it keeps him, you know, on the straight and narrow and not 
looming anywhere else. So, yeah, I think it would be great if he had those three monster fights left. One of them seems to be, you know, very much out of reach because Francis Ngannou is in another promotion, even though it was interesting seeing John go over to the PFL Bellator broadcast and, you know, do the interview and having Francis heckle him there. I think that was all great stuff. It just, this kind of comes back to what ticks me off as a fan though, Sean, because like they were just in the same promote. They could have made this fight. And now it's like, we're going to do this build up in this promotion for a fight that you're not going to fight. Like, I don't even know when Francis is going to fight in the PFL. I know he says he's going to, he's fighting, he's fighting Anthony Joshua. What if he knocks out Anthony Joshua next week? And then what? And then he's, you know, and then he's going to go fight Usyk. Like who, who knows? Who knows? The world is this guy's oyster. Honestly, if I if I were him, now I don't think he's going to beat Anthony Joshua. He's like a five to one underdog right now. By the way, that fight is now ten days away. So, and that's talking to you on a Wednesday. So, if you're listening to this on Saturday on the BetQL Network, we're a week late essentially from the yeah. fight that you're talking about. I don't think that Anthony. I don't think that Francis Ngannou is going to win that fight. Maybe if he comes out as sharp as he did against Tyson Fury, he's got a shot. You always point out that maybe that was more Fury not coming out in quite as good a shape, taking it as seriously as he should have. But the answer to your question is, I would come out publicly and say, I'm sorry, PFL. I'm sorry to all the fighters that won the piece at me. I'm sorry to the promotion. I'm sorry that I didn't lie. But at the time, I thought that I was a mixed martial artist. Now I'm a boxer. That's what I would say. I'm a boxer now. I think uh, anybody else probably would. I think Francis does have a bit of character, and I know that he does have investment on, like, the board. We talked to Sean O'Connell about this. They're their play-by-play guy. and He really does have uh, boots on the ground and investment in this PFL. But I'm with you, dude. Look, if if the lottery just keeps finding its way to me, what am I supposed to do? Just say, no, no, I already have enough money. No, 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 sorry, I can't. But speaking of this fight, dude, if you want to do a, a bet that's just really on drugs, I was perusing the bets, uh, the odds for this fight. I hear you. To win in 60 seconds, all right, Francis Ngannou plus 13,000. Just a haymaker. Just one haymaker. It'd be the most fun minute of your life. Yeah, but you're going to be out of money after 60 seconds. Here's the problem. Uh, that, is the, that is the conundrum. That is the conundrum. But just well, well, throw a five-ski on it. Yeah, throw five ski on it. It's worth that for sure because you're know, not too mad when you burn that. They're going to dance around for a little bit. They're going to feel each other out for a little bit. I don't think it's, it's the same thing that we saw when when Tyson Fury was out there because that was that felt like it was a little bit more of a show on both sides. And then at the end, it was like, oh, damn. Oh, wow. Tyson Fury, or, or, or maybe maybe Fury's is taking a step back in his career or maybe Francis Ngannou is a, a lot better hands than we thought. We're about to find out. But I would like – see, this is what I would do if I was Francis, and I'm not saying this as somebody who's already thrown money on this bet, but maybe he just goes with the fake dap and then just a big left hook. Just to see see if he can just <laughs> test Anthony Joshua's chin right away. He doesn't see it coming, and I'm just going to be like – I mean, everybody – maybe even just almost dirty. I mean, like, I don't know. Even Anthony Joshua's – see, Joshua's plus 7,500. For, to, for, to win in 60 seconds. That's a sucker's bet. Too much of a British gentleman. He won't do it. Maybe Francis would, though. I don't know. I'm just, I, I saw that. And I was like, wow, that kind of uh, piques my interest. There's a name for that. It's called Floyd Mayweather versus Victor Ortiz. You just hit yes. the guy when he's not looking and you knock his ass out and you take your paycheck. It's that easy. It's cheap, but you get paid for it. Uh, Rafael Fazit, our producer, Jake's favorite fighter, or at least he owns a t shirt with his name on it. Um, says that a 165-pound division is coming. Is that something the UFC really needs? Because it's been talked about for a long time. Seems like one of these things that more fighters seem to talk about than the actual promotion is into. Kevin Lee was the guy who was like the big poster child for this, really trying to make the 165 division a thing. I don't see a lot of people really clamoring for it, like to add more belts. More, I get the arguments, but I, I gotta be honest with you, man. Like, I, I just think that it's, uh, I, I think it's more of a, an ideal for a fighter. That's a tweener. Um, you know, Jake's pointing out Connor versus Kevin Lee for the 165 belt. Like 
Connor's the only guy that could get the 165 belt to be a thing. Like, if they just wanted to make up a title for Connor, that's the only way it's happening. Otherwise, I don't think so. I mean, good luck to Fazeev, maybe, maybe, but, you know, I, I, I don't see it being the case. Uh, quickly, because we're running out of time in this segment, Jake Paul is fighting some guy that I've never heard, heard of. Borland? 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 Who is this person? Uh, Jake Paul, minus 1,200 on Saturday night. And Tyreek Hill, your boy, wants to fight Jake Paul. Also in boxing news, we saw the first face-off, or at least a pretty intense one between Devin Haney, who's a heavy favorite, minus 700, against Ryan Garcia. All right, coming up on the other side, I hope you like games, because we're about to play one. It's called HOF or NOT. Let's talk about some Hall of Fame fighters. And some guys or gals that might be headed into the UFC Hall of Fame on the other side, right here on the BetQL Network.
are back with more Tapped Out with Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. And welcome back to the BetQL Network with Brendan Tobin, the Iceman, and me, the sports machine, Sean Levine. Good to have you along here talking a little fighting, making a little money. So whenever you're at the best of something when it comes to sports, ultimately, you get paid and you make a lot of money and you play in all-star games. But at the end, there's always a Hall of Fame, right? Like that's where the best of the best end up. So let's play a game of H-O-F or N-O-T. Does this guy end up in the Hall of Fame or N-O-T? Does he or she not? First of all, your pioneer wing currently, Hoist Gracie, Ken Shamrock, Dan Severn, Randy Couture, Mark Coleman, Chuck Liddell, Matt Hughes, Tito Ortiz, Pat Militich, Bass Rutten, Antonio Rodrigo Nagara, Don Fry, Maurice Smith, Kasuhushi uh, uh, Sakuraba, Matt Serra, Rich Franklin, Kevin Randleman, Anderson Silva, and Wanderlei Silva. And then the modern wing is Forrest Griffin, BJ Penn, Uriah Faber, Ronda Rousey, Mike Bisping, Rashad Evans, GSP, Khabib, Daniel Cormier is now in the USC Hall of Fame, the great Jose Aldo, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, and Frankie Edgar. So I think there's a bunch of people that are either currently fighting that are locks for the Hall of Fame or some of these people that are pretty borderline. Let's have the conversation. How about friend of the show, BT, the Reaper, Robert Whitaker. This guy's always fighting for championship belts. He's basically been in the top five for the last five, six, seven years. Do you think ultimately his career has been good enough if he never wins another championship belt that he ends up in the UFC Hall of Fame? That's an interesting question because he feels like he has such an importance for Australian MMA. Like, you know, the, the UFC has gone in such an interesting path over these last, I would say, seven years or so of like spreading the the the, the sport. And, you know, they opened up last week the Performance Center in Mexico and those fans in, in Australia are just crazy. And it feels like Robert Whitaker really like broke the dam for Adesanya and Volkanovski and Tai Tuivasa and a lot of these guys just getting to the elite, elite level. So I think the initial reaction is probably no, but that's like one of those, like if you have a weak year where you're like looking for somebody and you actually look back at Robert Whitaker's resume and think, man, this guy only lost to Israel Adesanya and, and, uh, and DDP. Uh, so basically only lost to champions or, or soon to be champions that's a pretty great case. And, uh, and especially like, you know, the way he just fought now, you're like, man, this guy's still just th that, that lead left hand that he has is just one of those signatures, the way he darts in and out. I think he's got a case. I don't think it's a shoe in, but I think there could be years where people look back and you're like, man, that guy was really important to the sport. You say basically that's all he's lost. Literally all these last five comes to Izzy and to DP in that time, he's taken out Derek Brunson, Jacare Sosa, Joel Romero twice, Darren Till when he was still a good fighter, Kelvin Gastelum, I mean, Marvin Vittori, and then just last week, Paolo Costa. So I think Robert Whitaker is in, especially if he can continue, maybe win a couple of more fights. I don't think he needs to win another belt. All right, how about a guy that we brought on the show, had an awesome conversation with, I know he's one of your favorite fighters, the nicest guy to ever fight in the octagon, maybe the nicest guy to ever exist, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Do you think he ends up in the Hall of Fame? Ooh. Um, no. No, I don't. I don't think Wonderboy gets boy. in the Hall of Fame. I, I know. I know. And I think that, you know, he's one of those guys where, like, it's just – it feels like there's just too many nights where – I don't know, like – He's got the memorable wheel kicks for sure, and he's got some he classics right against Kevin Holland. Yeah, but I don't know, man. I'm not I, – I, I don't know. My first reaction is I'm trying to say that. I'm like, no, nah, I don't think that Wonder Boy's there. I, I don't think so. His resume, honestly, probably not deserving to be a Hall of Fame fighter, even though he's a Hall of Fame human. So last time out, no shame. He lost to Shavkat Rachmanov. Before that, he had the win versus Kevin Holland. But then it was a loss to Bilal Muhammad, a loss to Stephen Tom, a loss to uh, Anthony Pettis, Gilbert Burns. He lost to Tyron Woodley a couple of times. Both those obviously razor thin fights for the title. So 
he's he's a close one, but I don't think that he ends up in the Hall of Fame. And I would say that for the next guy I'm about to mention also. Like, definitely borderline and a fan favorite, but I don't think ultimately this guy has had a belt or won enough fights in a row to end up in the Hall of Fame. How about Derek Lewis, the Black Beast? He is the best celebration when he wins in all the UFC, but is that good enough to get him in the Hall of Fame? Well, Derek Lewis is like most heavyweight knockouts ever. Yeah, like he's actually got some most statistics to back this. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's almost like one of those, like if you're the home run king in baseball to me, like, yeah, I think he the does ball. deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, you know? Because there is an element to me when I think of Hall of Fame, which by the way, I don't even, where is the UFC Hall of Fame? Like, is it at the, is it at the Performance Center? Like, where can I actually go peruse the, the it's not really important. Question. The point, yeah, the point no, is. Don't ask me those things live on the radio. Damn it. I don't know. I thought it was in Miami. I figured it was in your backyard. I've never, I've only been to Cooperstown. That's like the only major Hall of Fame I've ever been to. Not I was there. just curious. Um, But. I yeah to me Derek Lewis like you say Derek Lewis I think to myself you know one of the most popular guys of his time incredible knockout artist most knockouts ever it's kind of like how could you deny somebody who leads the sport in knockouts one of the most popular things there is he's not in the hall of fame no I feel like he deserves to be in there I'm looking at his losses also like he lost to Mark Hunt when Mark Hunt was good uh, he lost to D.C. when D.C. was champion. Junior Dos Santos in his prime. So real gone a couple of years ago. Tied to Ivasa when Tied to Ivasa was on that role. Sergey Pavlovich, who could knock out an entire building with one punch. Sergey Spivak, and then most recently, Jalatin Almeida. So it's not like he fights bums. Like, he goes out there his entire career, and he's willing to fight guys who are either about to be champion or former champions like his resume is pretty impressive. Now, I will say, if we're calling the spade a spade, he has lost four out of his last five fights, so at some point he better start winning. Yeah, the record's dicey for sure, but it's it, it, like you – for me, it's like it, you're just going basically on like specialists, you know, like if you were to go like best defensive shortstop of all time to get into the Hall of Fame, like that's kind of his case. He was the best at this. So that's your Hall of Fame case. But as far as like accolades of championships or some of the losses, those are all going to be there because he's kind of wavered from contender to gatekeeper probably over the last four years more than anything. Um, but you never can count him out. And that's the thing that uh, everybody loves about him. So how about a champion that hasn't lost a fight for, oh, I don't know, the last nine years? He's got an unbelievable resume, but nobody likes watching this guy fight including, I think, Dana White, if he's being honest with himself, Leon Edwards, who defended his belt against Colby took the belt from Kamal, beat Nate. I mean, his resume is damn impressive. You would think that he's a shoo-in for the Hall of Fame, right? Talking about Leon Edwards. I mean, See, it was inside. It's, I don't hate Leon Edwards. He was actually like, he was probably one of our favorite guys to have on the show. I, I think his, he's, he's got, he's got one of the moments in the sport, like him knocking out Kamara Usman is one of those earth shattering moments. I think in my UFC fandom, just because I, first of all, a big Usman fan. I really thought that he was going to go and chase down GSP, but for him to have that moment and, and how Goosey's galore it was with his, his speech. I mean, Certainly, if he were to get in, I'm not going to quibble about it, but I do think that this title reign probably needs a couple more rubies on it to solidify it, which seems unfair to him. But if he were to get in, I don't have a problem with it because you're like, yeah, that's one of the most iconic moments of all time. I almost wish the UFC, like they have the fight wing. I almost wish they had like craziest finish you've ever seen wing. I love how they're the fight wing, by the way. I think other sports should do that. Like I think the NFL should have a wing that has their best games or baseball. Like if there's it. some sort of like the Joe Carter walk-off home run. How is that not somehow immortalized at the Hall of Fame? That's one thing that you, I don't know where the hell the USC Hall of Fame is, but wherever it is, they do a really good job with that part of it. They put in their kind of the core fighters, the, 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 the hoist crazies of the world, the, 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 the Mark Severns, those guys when we first started watching. And then they've also got the current wing. But having the fights in there is just such a clever idea. Um, how about my guy, Du Bronx, Charles Oliveira? 
You said Derek Lewis has the most knockouts, so you got to put him in. Charles Oliveira has the most subs in UFC history. And you can't deny some of the people that he's beat. By the way, he's got a fight coming up against Armand Sarukin at UFC 300. But he's taken out Benil Daryush, Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson in his prime. Like, I know that sometimes we think about Bronx at the beginning of his career and Again, the beginning of his career was not that impressive. If you remember, he was a 500 fighter through the first couple of years of his career. He was 2-2, two and two, then he was 3-3, three and three, but he defended his belt a whole bunch of times against other future Hall of Famers. He's got to be in. First ballot, dude, shooing. You said everything that first needed ballot. to be said. I don't even feel like I need to add anything. Like I think he's an obvious one. Okay, me too. Um, This one would be way in the future, and obviously his resume is not good enough, so I'm kind of asking you to get out your crystal ball here, but it's a gambling show. If I gave you a free million dollars and I said, does this guy end up in the Hall of Fame? You're going to bet yes or no as of today. Sugar Sean O'Malley. He's the current champion. He's taken out Piotr Jan, right? He's taken out Aljamain Sterling. He's got a shot to right the wrong on his resume and beat Cheeto Vera, not knowing if he wins that fight, not knowing if he ever – Holds the belt again. Very popular fighter. Almost, I don't want to say LeBron James. Like, I give LeBron a lot of credit, obviously, for a million things. But he had to live up to the hype. A lot of guys don't have to live up to that type of hype. And LeBron's been able to surpass it. You got to give O'Malley credit for telling us how good he was going to be and then eventually being the champion. Is he eventually a Hall of Famer? You're giving his hype to LeBron James? The dude's like Paolo Boncaro. Like, calm down a little bit, LeBron James. Okay, he's like, somewhere in between. You calm down. He's, he, he's more important and better than Paolo Boncaro. Paolo Boncaro is a moose, by the way. I, I mean, he is. He's, he's very scary. I think he's going to be really, really great. But um, what are the odds I would get? You're just making me bet a straight-up million. I either get to double straight my money or million. lose it yes, all. No, minus 110 to Sean O'Malley end up in the Hall of Fame. I'm just going to say yes, because Dana White would love. I mean, obviously, you got Conor McGregor and the most popular fighters, Ronda Rousey, and all them are either in or going to get in. I think O'Malley ends up there. I'm going to go no. I'm going to go no. And I don't want to, like, spoil, like, how I'm leaning for next week whenever we talk 299, but got to show me a little bit more. You know, like, listen, there's nothing – I don't knock him personally for taking the path that he's taken – uh, you know, he's gone the slow roll more than like a Taporia who basically put a, a rocket to his back and went right to the title. But I I don't know. I still think there's holes in the game. I still think there's things for him to learn. Um, and I'm not, like, if you told me he loses next week to Cheeto, I'm not going to be shocked. And I don't know. I, I, I think for me, I'm going to go, I'm going to lean no as Hall of Famer because Hall of Famer is the best of the best. And I don't think that I see Sean O'Malley as the best of the best yet. All right, this next guy is going to get in when it comes to the fight wing because maybe the most famous still shot in the history of the UFC is when Ben Askren got kneed in the face by Jorge Masvidal. Honestly, if you ask me what moment is frozen in time when it comes to fighting, it's Jorge Masvidal and that flying knee five seconds into the fight. Uh Let's call it what it is. He was a journeyman for the first, like, decade of his UFC career. He's your favorite fighter. Does he end up in the Hall of Fame? Uh, it's a great question. And here's the thing. You can't really put him in the fight wing because, like, does Ben Askren then have to go accept it with him? Like, he – most of these Absolutely. fights in the – most of these fights in the fight wing, the honor is in, oh, you're both going in together. Like – even Alexander Gustafsson, like, it's a heartbreaking loss, but, like, he takes pride in the John Jones fight. So no, I, that's why I'm saying, that's why I'm saying, like, maybe a finish wing would be cool, too. Like, the flying knee, the wheel kick, whatever. Um, is Jorge Masvidal a, a Hall of Famer? My case for it would be he's the first BMF. They've seemed to make that a thing. So in that way, you could say he's a bit of a pioneer. His career is very unique because of how long he was around. Um, But if you, you know, I would say he's not a first ballot. Like we'd have to quibble and talk about this and talk about his star rise and his star power. But um, I would say, I would say it's, it's pretty borderline. I would say I, I would make the argument. I'd be in the conference room saying yes, but I would understand if everybody was shooting me down and throwing popcorn at me. 
I really like that idea of the finish wing. When you were talking, I was thinking who else would be in there? Like Holly Holm kicking Ronda in the head. That would be in the finish Oof. wing. And what we're talking about right now and the Usman getting kicked in the head by Leon that you were talking about. Uh, when Hendo knocked out Michael Bisping at the end of UFC, like this is maybe a whole other segment for a whole other show. In the case of Miles Vidal, definitely the weirdest UFC career of any, really, I was going to say of any great fighter, but of any fighter. So that one year, that calendar year between 2016 and 2017, or I'm sorry, between it was it started with Darren Till. So between 2019, the beginning of 2020, knocked out Darren Till, knee to the face against Ben Askren, BMF fight against Nate Diaz. But before that, he had lost back-to-back fights against Wonderboy and Damian Maya. And after that run, he lost his last four fights in the UFC, Usman, Usman, Colby, and Gilbert Burns. So... I don't think Masvidal ends up in the Hall of Fame, but I ain't going to be mad if he does. All right, that's it for H-O-F or N-O-T. Coming up on the other side, we got to talk some fighting because we got fights coming up, and UFC 299 is right around the corner. And I got a couple of Levine's locks for you right here on the BetQL Network.
We're back with more Tapped Out with Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. Final segment of the show. We appreciate you checking us out here on the BetQL Network with my producer, Jake, and my co-host, Brendan Tobin. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. We got fights on Saturday night. Shamil Gaziev, minus 160, your favorite against Biggie Boy. Jarzinho Rosenstrike at plus 135. It's always fun when that guy steps into the octagon because you have to figure the fight's not going to last very long. I'll take the underdog Rosen strike at plus 135. I'm also going to play the unders on the rounds. I don't see this one getting out of the first. Muted. I like the idea of uh, Biggie Boy, love Jarzinho Rosen strike. Stood in on like my boy Tyrone Spong. It's like his uh, his mentor. So I'm gonna go uh, with a parlay of round one fast finishes this weekend, Sean. I'm gonna go with Jarzinho Rosenstrike first round KO and Jake Paul first round KO against this Ryan Borland, who I know is definitely taking a dive. And uh, those both hit like plus sixteen hundred. Why don't you uh, sprinkle in a little bit of money on your boy uh, Francis and Ghanu knocking out Anthony Joshua in the first round? Man, I gotta wait a week for that. I don't want to wait a week. Okay, Maybe I'll do. like it roll it over do. for the next week. I'm just doing this weekend, dude. I know whoever this. J- I look at this guy that Jake Paul is fighting. I don't trust his face. He's definitely there to get a, a check. I don't even know what Jake Paul is doing to be honest with you. Like, I, whatever happened to fighting guys that we've heard of and grudge matches and things like that? What is this whole? I'm fighting and I'm trying to build up my boxing resume. Why? They're not going to give you credit. So just go fight some some freaks. Well, isn't that – you're the boxing guy, the two of us. Isn't that what boxers do? Like even if you look at some of the – like if you look at uh, – for let's just throw uh, – how about uh, Errol Spence or Bud Crawford. If you look at their entire resume, even if you're a fight fan, you haven't heard of 90% of those guys. So Jake Paul, I feel like if he was going to make a name for himself in boxing, there's only one way to really do it, which was to fight guys that other people have heard of. So fight a Tyron Woodley, right? Fight a Ben Askren. Hell, fight a Nate Robinson. Fight an Anderson Silva. But at some point, you're going to have to fight actual boxers. Who do you want him to fight? Tank Davis? Hey, hey, dude. Spoiler alert. He's not a boxer! He's a social media star who's found a gimmick. What does he need to fatten up his He's already known. What are we doing here? I don't get it. He what does he think? He's gonna fight for the cruiserweight title one day. He thinks one day someone's gonna be like, you know what, Jake? He don't really? he okay. genuinely Jake Paul believes that. I don't, you don't, nobody else does. But yes, what, what, what I believe the, that he believes who cares. He I agree. And so and so he's going to be handed, gifted some version of a WBA, WB, who gives a bleep belt. And we could all call Jake Paul a world champion. Dude, fight fight Tyreek Hill. I'd rather you fight Tyreek Hill than, 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 than whatever the hell this is, this Ryan Borland. I mean, is that, is, like, is that a parody? His name is Borland? That's the name of the guy he's taking on? I don't know. I saw it, and I was like, I think I went to high school with a Ryan Borland. I had to double check, not the same guy. Tyree Kill, I'm in for that. That'd be fun. I'd love to see him fight Tyree oh, Kill. I put money down on Tyree Kill. That's the point, though. Like when we all wanted to bet against Jake Paul, we wanted to do it with him versus Nate Robinson before we knew Jake Paul could throw some hands. Hey, credit to Jake Paul. He's a lot tougher than we all thought. He's not as bad go. as this as we all thought, but he's also not as good as he thinks he's ever gonna be at this. So because he lost to Tyson Fury's little brother, who's a reality TV star. So let's do this correctly, and let's get some fun stuff to gamble on. In the meanwhile, while he's fighting tomato cans, I'm putting him in a parlay. One round, first round knockouts between him and Rosenstrike. Take that home. This is going to break my solution. That's what I'm saying, because people like you put down money on it somehow. Um, I'm all, Fine, I'll back you on that one. All right, UFC 299, you're going to be in the house. It is now right around the corner from the 305 down in Miami. And what a banger of a card you got from Dana White. Some people think it's actually better than UFC 300. How about, let's talk about some of those fights and your early lean. Childton Almeida, he looked awesome, incredibly impressive, knocking out everybody. And then he had his last fight, and it was like, yeah, that was kind of boring. He fights Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades. 
slight favorite at minus 105, basically to go off as a pick em. I like Almeida. I don't know if you saw the video this week of him training. He had like a, a lightsaber. It was pretty crazy, actually. I think that he gets back in the win category, and I think that he knocks out Curtis Blades right in front of you. Wow. What do you mean? Like, so what was he doing with the lightsaber? Uh, like some stuff that you and I could not do athletically. When you get a minute YouTube it, it's pretty crazy. He's doing like this, um, it was like ninja stuff times a million. Oh, now Jake's we'll telling me that wasn't Giles when I made it. Well, fine. Screw you. Don't YouTube it. <laughs> what? Apparently I'm lying. Who was it then, Jake? Who was it? That's hilarious. So, like, hold on. You thought you thought that some random dude was Jalton Almeida, like, because I was just thinking to myself, like, man, UFC heavyweight is just flipping around like he's uh, like he's Kylo Ren. Is this live on the radio right now? You guys make me look like a jackass, or are we gonna cut this? I I don't know. I I don't know. You're the one who brought the news to me. I have no idea what you're talking about. All right, let me, let me straighten this out for you, Sean. Let me straighten this yeah, out please. for you because, yeah, we're live. You just made an ass of yourself, but it's okay. Yeah. Someone tweeted I, I today Someone tweeted today a pic, a, a video of some guy that looked like Jayden Almeida doing a bunch of crazy Jedi tricks, and they photoshopped and video edited a lightsaber with it with the sound effects, and they captioned it, Jayden Almeida's been wow. training real hard for this fight. <laughs> I wow. think it was Bane. I think it was Ben the Bane. Wow. Oh, you, well, you can't well, trust he's too. Watch, he's up to too many hijinks. For real. I didn't know it was Bane, our guy. Uh, hopefully you're watching us on Twitch because my face is red. Well, Sean, I got to tell you, dude, I'm watching this video right now. <laughs> There's no way you fell for this, dude. I can't even understand. Dude, I've been, you think that's real? I've been 100% serious. I looked down, I saw that, and I was like, wow, childhood on it looks pretty impressive. I had no idea. I mean, what are we talking <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Luke Skywalker himself couldn't pull that off. I'm a dumbass. I'm laying everything down on Curtis' plates. Okay. I hate doing this with you guys sometimes. Um, Kevin Holland versus Michael Venom Page, you jackasses. Any strong thoughts on that one? Because clearly I know nothing. Um, that's such an interesting one, man. Like, Mike, that's when you like look at this card and you're like, man, Michael Venom Page is making his UFC debut, and it's kind of slipping under the radar a little bit because it because Kevin Holland, I know, because Kevin Holland, it's like, you know, you put him against a striker. There's not many guys that you want to put in there with Kevin Holland as as a striking match and think, oh, that guy's gonna lose. That being said. I don't know if there's gonna be any gentlemen's rules in this one like there were with the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson one. Um and, and Wonderboy, you know, with that karate style light on the feet, he was giving Kevin Holland problems at times. So I like Michael Venom Page as a dog. I think there's some value in that. I think there's a little bit of an unknown factor. I'm actually curious to see. Uh, that's a pretty close line. Will that flip by the time we get to fight night? Um, if there's some more hype behind Michael Venom Page. But I'm excited for that. And I could, like, of all the things, it's like, oh, yeah, MVP is 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 making his way to the UFC. It's so cool. There's actually a couple of fights like that on this card that have gone under the radar. Everybody's talking about Sean O'Malley versus Cheeto Vera, obviously, and Benoit Saint-Denis versus Dustin Poirier. That's a huge fight. Your boy Gilbert Burns versus Jack Della Magdalena. Uh, how about Piotr Jan, Obi Jan Kenobi? Does that work? Um, Piotr Jan versus, versus Song Yedong at plus 125. I think that Piotr Jan's one of the most overrated fighters that we've ever seen. Let me, let me back that off. He's a really good fighter that we've overrated. Like this time two years ago, he was in the top five pound for pound. And he was such a heavy favorite in his fight against Sean O'Malley. And he was such a heavy favorite in his fight against Marab. I think he's kind of a like a figure of our imagination. I'm going to take Song Yadong to plus 125. Man, I like I like the value in that too, just because this division's so closely contested, and I think that uh, Song Yudong, I think just him as the dog, there is value in that. I think with Piotr Jan, I don't know if he's overrated, is, is the way I'd put it, Sean, but I think maybe he's peaked. I think like we've seen maybe the best of him. He's been in some tough fights, and a lot of the times with Piotr Jan, like he was so good in fights late, but he would take a beating in some of these fights early on, and so you wonder if that had a little bit of wear on him. Um, you know, not the biggest dude in the world. And in 135, it's a tricky division because sometimes you're taking on guys that are probably naturally a little bit bigger than you. Um, 
So this is a tough one for him. Yeah, he's got a he's got a lot riding on this, especially was his last one the one against Marab? Because he got, I mean, just absolutely dishragged in that fight. Pieced up. So, yeah. Absolutely pieced up. And he was a heavy favorite, if you remember. Like a heavy favorite. I think he was minus 350 coming into that fight. He's one of those guys that the odds makers always have a tough time with. I think these odds are actually about right. I don't mind Piotr Jan being the favorite against Song, but I'll also play the underdog money, like you said, at plus 125. I got to pick him for you. Your guy, Gilbert Burns takes on Jack Della Magdalena. I know you're playing Dorino that night. I'm playing Dorino, and once the method odds come out, I want to see what he is by sub that night because, uh, you know, Jack is uh, is going to come in. He's going to try and stand up. Um, I actually got a chance to talk to Gilbert pretty recently, and he was like – he's like because you remember he was injured. You remember he fought last year. He fought like three fights in three months, messed up his shoulder in the Bala Muhammad fight, they were going back and forth, and Gilbert's like, you know, I basically spent half of the lead-up basically just boxing. So he's been, like, traveling down to, like, Tropical Park down here, boxing with some of the Cubans down here. Um, so I am curious to see Gilbert's striking game, but I think he's got a very clear advantage here that I, I, he should take advantage of, and I think once those method odds come out next week, that's where I'm going to be looking at and seeing what I can get uh, to, for, for Dorino to win by sub. But this is a big one, man, because there's a couple of guys here with Gilbert fighting JDM and Dustin fighting the old. We've seen like the young guys are kind of picking off the old timers and the vets and the guys who aren't even old. But it just seems like there has been a change in the art. So this is now two perennial title contenders. Is this their last stand? You know, or are they going to get turned into gatekeepers? Tropical Park sounds like an incredible place. We don't have that in Kansas City, by the way, only in South Beach. Coming up next week, we're going to break down the main event and, of course, the co-main ad nauseum. We're going to give you every single angle on Benoit Saint-Denis versus Dustin Poirier and, of course, the rematch, Cheeto Vera versus Sean O'Malley. For my producer, Jake Noaker, and my co-host, Brendan Tobin, I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Tapped Out. 